Yeah. You guys thought you got rid of me, didn't you? You know, it's funny. They make fun of me for being the hub venue director. They, you know, one time in the last couple of months, I think, uh, Scott Harrop, John Link, and Keith all were out of town on a, on a like, a, we went to a conference, and they said, Brandon, if the plane goes down, you're still the hub venue director. <laughs> I was like, uh, you can't win around here. Um, when I walked in earlier, um, Yuri, who's probably running one of the cameras or something backstage, he's on the, the, the video team, um, he, he was just like, oh, he's actually Ukrainian, so I've got to use my Ukrainian accent. He said, oh, we have guests. And uh, I said, no, I'm not a guest. I still work here, man, okay? It's the same church, all right? So, um, but yeah, if we haven't met yet, I am Brandon. I'm, I'm over at the Hub venue. We launched that location uh, last October now. It's kind of moving quick. Um, but it's been awesome, and um, it's been going really good over there. We did that to kind of create some space here in, in this service, kind of, and the last service that have been filling up. And um, so, yeah, so it's been, it's been going really good. Um, so, you know, we get to see you guys every week, and we get to see kind of like Keith every week. And I know you guys won't believe this. I mean, we have this 1080p amazing, like, picture of Keith, and we can actually see that he has hair on his head. You guys don't get to see that from where you're at. So we get to see that. Um, but I want to show you kind of what it looks like at the hub um, while, we're, while we're watching the sermon, just as you guys are. Yeah, well, um, all jokes aside, it's been, it's been great. And um, it's been cool. We've actually got people attending the hub who have never attended here before, which is, which is kind of mind-blowing. And that's really um, what, what it's all about when we create a new space for people to come. And it's been fun. We've, got, we've hung things on the walls. We've done things that we've never done here before because we can't. It's not our space. Um, so we've gotten to make it um, kind of Rock Harbor. So you guys are always welcome. I know there's, there, you see there's some space in the video. If you're at a, at a point where you're able to make some space here, we, um, the door's always open. So, so come on over and see us. Um, but hey, we've been in the, the book of Romans, chapter 12, uh, these past couple weeks, launching into this new year, 2019, holy moly, um, talking about being deeply rooted. Um, you know, we really feel like as a staff, as, as, a, as a leadership team, as all of that, that God's got this, um, this, this theme for us this year, to be deeply rooted, kind of moving past the, the surface, you know, getting our roots down deeper than they've ever gone before. And I would say, too, that it's not just a theme. I really feel like it's a movement. And I feel like that movement um, it even started last, the last couple of weeks. You know, we had our, our first week was deeply rooted in God's word. Our second week was deeply rooted in worship. And I know Marty mentioned it, but holy cow, worship night, right? Right? It was awesome. It was so cool. I mean, we were sitting around the conference room table planning that thing out and trying to figure out. I remember Nate, who leads worship here, usually the other bald guy, um, but he, he was, he, we were sitting around there, and he said, man, it'd just be cool. We were, we we're trying to figure out what to expect numbers-wise. And he's like, even if we just got a few hundred people, that would be awesome. Well, we had 756 people pack this room out. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, um, people were sweating. People came out afterwards with, um, the, you know, tears in their eyes. And uh, our students were packed up here, out, packed out up here going crazy. Uh, my middle school do- daughter, she'd lost her voice when she came home. And um, I think all that to say is we tapped into the heart of God in a really um, unique way. And so um, well, we're going to do more of those, and we want you guys to all be there. Now we're just trying to figure out where the heck are we going to do it, um, because that, that, was, that was packed. So, um, so now that brings us to where we're at. We want to be more deeply rooted in, in worship this year, in God's Word, and now we're talking about being deeply rooted in His work, uh, being deeply rooted um, in the body, being deeply rooted in the work. And I want to kind of define um, what this work is, what, what this word work means, because I know we have our, all our own little thoughts of what that is. Um, but deeply rooted in work, I mean by serving and sacrificing for the body of Christ. 
And so, you know, when we hear the word work, I think a lot of us think, you know, our nine to five, right? It's like Monday through Friday, that's enough work. Why would I want to do more? It's like ill. And, you know, some of us who have way too many kids, it's like you're pretty much working nonstop all the time except for a few cat naps between like midnight and 6 a.m. when someone's breathing on your neck and like, eh, I want to be awake now. And it's like, no, get away, right? Like that's work. But why we need to be more deeply rooted, the reason we need to be more deeply rooted comes down to what's been done for us. And, um, you know, being rooted in God's word and in his worship is really just our response to what's um, been done for us. And so Paul kind of clearly spells that out. I want to kind of just paraphrase a little bit about what's going on in the first 11 chapters of uh, Romans. And I know Keith had touched on this a couple weeks ago, but in case you missed any of the last couple weeks, it's very important for us to understand what's going on in those first 11 chapters to realize what Paul's saying, kind of the why behind what he's saying in chapter 12. So if I could summarize it just, just very as basic as possible, I mean, there's so much in there. So if you haven't read Romans yet, put that on your list of things to read. But he's saying in the first 11 chapters that there's basically some really, really bad news. And then he's saying there's some really, really good news. But Paul knows that we have to understand how bad that bad news is to understand how incredibly great the good news is. Because once we understand how good that good news is, well, then we realize what Paul's saying in, the, in the chapter 12, why it should make some changes, why we should make some changes as a result of how good the good news is. And so the, the bad news is that you and I, we stand guilty before God. Guilty as charged, full of sin, full of unrighteousness, that there's nothing that we can do to be made right with God. There's no amount of work that we can do to be made right in him. The penalty for our sin is, is eternal death separated from God. I want to show you a, a picture of uh, William Tyndale. This guy's name might be in, one, in some of your Bibles. If you've got your hard Bible here, hard copy Bible, his name might be in there. It might be on the binding. It might be a Tyndale Bible. Um, he's good looking. You check him out. It's for all the single ladies, right? Like for all you guys. Yeah, that cool beard. Um, but William Tyndale, he, he was fluent in, in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And he was the first one to translate what we know of the English Bible um, into English from those original texts. This was in the 1500s. Well, then he was uh, martyred because they called it her- heresy back then that he would change the words of the original text. And so he was martyred after he completed 80% of the Bible. But this is what he said when he wrote about Paul's letter to the Romans. He said that, and he's, I'm reading it in the original language. They talked a little different back then, so you're going to have to track with me. Paul proveth that the whole nature of man is so poisoned and so corrupt. And I, I did not know what to do with this word, so I'm just calling it ebonic. So I go, yeah, okay, you're like, yeah. Okay, so, so poisoned, so corrupt, yeah, and so dead concerning godly living or godly thinking that it's impossible for her to keep the law in the sight of God. And that's the bad news, that we're poisoned and we're corrupt. And this is where you're just like, man, I am so glad I came to church today. Some of you are shaking your head like, yeah, we are. Like, but this is where the good news comes in. Because now that we understand how bad the bad news is, it makes the good news so much better and it should radically change us. The good news is simply just from a verse, one verse, 5.8, Romans 5.8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it continues on, Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This means that we're free in Christ, that we're, we've been bought and paid for, that Jesus has the receipt for all that we've done. It means that we're covered and it's this grace, this mercy, this undeserved like favor and grace that God gives us. That is the good news. So that brings us to where we're at in chapter 12. Paul transitions to talking about kind of the response that we should have for all that. That's why it's important to know what is this saying back here. 
Because this pivotal moment in Romans between those chapters of where now Paul is saying, hey, now that you know this, this is how you should live. And Keith talked about the last couple of weeks, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. So therefore, because of all these mercies that I have given you, all this grace and mercy, I appeal to you. Because of that, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why would I present my bodies as a living sacrifice? Paul would say, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you present yourself as a living sacrifice? It's the reasonable thing to do when somebody gives their life to you. When, if someone were to die for you right now today, you would be indebted to them. You would want to do something for their family. You would want to serve them somehow in a unique way and just pay it back. So Paul is saying, why wouldn't you? It's only reasonable. And then when we do that, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice that changes everything. Changes our self-image. Our, our self-image is now based on the fact that that he alone died for us, that it's a new reason for living, that we're part of something so much bigger than ourselves, so much more than we can accomplish on our own, and it's called the body of Christ. And when we get to that point now, God's given us all these gifts, these talents that we have can now be used to build up this body, and that's where we bring it in today into verses 4 through 8. I'm going to read it from uh, my Bible here. Let me get her open. For... For as in one body we have many members, verse 4, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in, pro- in, in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, in the one, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So I want to chat through kind of those verses a little bit here. And then I have a few thoughts I want to offer to you that I think will kind of tie this all together for us. So if we kick back into verse 4, it says, For as in one body we have many members. It's pretty straightforward, right? You guys are like looking at me. One body, lots of members, you know, some sweaty armpits. Not joking. Um, we, you know, lots of things going on. There's some things that will remain anonymous. But lots of body parts that all have very different functions. Then it says, and the members do not all have the same function. I don't sneeze with my armpit. I know that sounds weird. I know that you've got a room full of adults here. I don't scratch my head with my toes, right? These different functions have a certain purpose. But every one of them does have a function. So there we go in verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. And I want you guys to listen closely to this next part. This would be something that would be worth underlining in your Bible. Therefore, one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Individually members of one another. That's highlight worthy right there. If you, what we can look at that when we see that, what it means is that there's a lot of us in this body. There's people at the hub. We've got, we're all interconnected, but we're interconnected in Christ. Look at the person next to you that you don't know, not the one you're with, the one you don't know, and say, hi, we're related. Do it. It's going to be weird. Don't be shy. Do it. Okay, if someone said that to you, look back at them and say, whoa. Okay, so I'm not joking. Say, do it. Whoa. Right? It's like, whoa. This means that I cannot be all that God wants me to be if you're not being all God wants you to be. This means that I can't lead my family to be all they're supposed to be without you leading your families to be all that you're supposed to be in Christ. We have to be in it together. 
It's all of us saying, we're going to be deeply rooted this year so that the people in my community group can be deeply rooted. I want to be deeply rooted so that the people sitting next to me in church, the people that I'm serving with here on Sunday or at the hub on Sunday, so that we can all be deeply rooted together. It's just, it's our mission statement. It's loving and leading one another to be devoted followers of Jesus. And one simple way that we love and lead one another is to be rooted in his work together. Let's keep moving. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So we've learned that we're all members of the same body, that we all don't have the same function or purpose, and that we all have gifts that are different from each other, and that's okay. So four, four very simple words right at the end of that verse. It says, let us use them. It's pretty straightforward, right? We just came out of Christmas. You guys probably bought all your kids a bunch of toys, and they are now laying around the house not being used, or they're now in the closet, right? Our gifts are not designed to be put up on a shelf. Our gifts are not designed to just be kind of tucked away. Our gifts are designed so that God can use them and amplify them to serve the body of Christ. Let us use them. If we continue, we see what some of those gifts are. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. I used to get those two kind of mixed up. The, the teaching, you know, just as we would think of a teacher in a classroom, they, they, they bring in the information and they make it presentable in a way that is easy to understand, easy for us to, to, to relate with. That's a teacher. A, an exhorter is someone who kind of takes that and they amplify it and they, they can urge people to, to spur them on to do the things that they know the things that they've been taught. So it continues on, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so I want to give you these four thoughts that are in your program there. If you're one of those underliners and you want to fill in the blanks, make yourself feel good for the morning, you go for it. This is number one. I think this will help us kind of bring this all together. Spend less time finding your gift and more time being a gift. Here's what I mean by that. I didn't just make that up. I think this is what Paul's saying to us here. We see that in Romans here in chapter 12, if you look at also where Paul wrote something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's talking about spiritual gifts there as well. And the lists of the gifts are actually different between the two. There's some, there's some gifts that are on this list, and there's some gifts that are on that list that aren't exactly the same. And I think what we can draw from that is that we don't have to fit perfectly into this little category, this box of like, okay, here's the list of gifts. Figure out which one it is, and that's what you need to use within the, within the body of Christ. I think there's some people here who, you know, your gifts might not fit cleanly into like a spiritual gifts test. Or they might not fit cleanly into the, the areas of ministry or service that we have here at Rock Harbor. But it goes back to what Paul says in verse 1. When we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, we offer up our gifts, we offer up our talents, and we say, God, just let, just let them be used. Just let them be used. So you can just be a gift by saying, here I am. Lord, I, whatever I have, gifted or not, use me. One author wrote it like this. I thought this was pretty cool. He said, speaking of the gifts, that they're like a basic palette of colors that when you offer them to the Lord, he takes them and he creates like a perfect hue of color, blends them all together and makes them work for the body. Spend less time finding your gift and more time being a gift. The second one, your gifts are affirmed by the body. Your gifts are affirmed by the body. What do I mean by that? I think... This is kind of how it plays out. You can take a spiritual gifts test, and those are great. There's some awesome spiritual gifts tests out there. But that gift, whatever that comes out, whatever those gifts are that you think you have, they should be affirmed by the people that we're in the body with. 
Lene, I was talking to her about this message this week, Lene, who was doing announcements up here. Um, she, she was telling me that the young adults group that meets on Tuesday nights at the Hub um, last semester, so they all meet at the Hub Tuesday nights. They, they gather kind of in a large group, and then they break out into their community groups kind of all over the Hub. Well, this, this one night um, during that last semester, they did a, a spiritual gifts thing. And so they took this test, and then they, and within their community groups, they talked about it. And she said the coolest thing about that, it's exactly what we're talking about here, is that people were able to say, hey, this is my gift. Boom. And then everybody was like, I totally see that in you. I see that. That's exactly who you are. I've seen you do that. And they're able to affirm the gifts that these people have. But you know what that requires? Being connected to the body. It requires us engaging with the body, plugging into the body, being in community group, being engaged with these people. Otherwise, we never get to really see how our gifts play out in the body, how God can use them. So your gifts are affirmed by the body. Number three, don't let a minute turn into years. Don't let a minute turn into years. And I'll explain this by, by telling you just a quick little um, story. My, my son, who's almost two, he will be two next month. I think I've shown you guys like a picture of him every single time I come up here. Because when you have four kids and you have your last one, that's the most perfect one and you just want to share. So hopefully you guys understand. But he just, he's turning two next month. And um, when he was 14 months old, he just learned to walk. He just had learned, like he was just opening up this new world for himself and us, right? We had to like lift everything up another foot so he couldn't get into everything. But it was Easter and our kids thought it would be cool to take him onto the trampoline with all the other kids. And they brought him in the house with his leg broken after we weren't out there. We were out there playing with the kids and this is, what, this is him trying to walk with his boot on. Cohen, what are you doing? Don't fall. When I took that video, I knew someday it would be in a sermon. Like, I just knew it. If you want to have more sermon examples, they say have more kids. So this is, this is what we got. But see, Cohen, you know, he, he hurt his leg. And he needed a minute. But we as his family, we, couldn't, we wouldn't be able to handle him not healing. He could, we couldn't let it be years before this leg was able to be functioning again. I think some of you, you need a minute. Some of you are broken parts of the body because you've either been hurt by someone or you've been hurt by a church, which happens all the time because it's filled with a whole bunch of real stinking people. And you need a minute. You need time to heal I think sometimes it's worth saying, too, that we need a minute because of a, of a busy season or just some time to heal physically, emotionally, spiritually. But don't let a minute turn into years. The body needs you. And you need the body of Christ. And that's what I love about Rock Harbor's name and how Keith explains it. Is you think of a harbor. It's a safe place that people can come in, right? Ships come in, they refuel, they resupply, but they never stay there. It's a place to be sent out of after you've got rest. That's what we want to be. We want to be a harbor. So don't let a, a minute turn into years. That video was, was actually, last night I was showing it to my wife. She was wanting me to run through my message with her. And she said, hey, show me, that, show me that video. I want to see that. And after she watched it, she was in tears. 
And that's how it should be when someone within our body, within our community group, when they're out of the game, it should hurt us because we need everyone to be part of this body. We need to all be rooted in his work. Number four, don't diminish the gifts that God has given you. I think that, you know, anytime we're around a group of people or we're in a position where we can compare ourselves with other people, you know, social media, it happens at work, it happens at school, and it happens in church. We think, oh man, they're making a way bigger impact than I am. They have, they're way more gifted than me. They're, what they do, people see it more or, or whatever it may be. I think we can diminish our gifts. And for those of you that serve here at Rock Harbor, I think that you need to hear something today. If you serve in any of our, our kids' environments, our student ministry, or our anchor, raise your hands high. It's awesome. I want to tell you guys that you have the most important role at Rock Harbor Church. Do you know how empty this room would be if you guys weren't making a space for kids? But not just a space, a space that these kids want to come to. So many people pick a church based off the fact that their kids want to go back. And I bet there's a lot of you that would agree with that. For any of you that are on our guest experience teams, this is a ton of teams, so I'm going to read them off to you, okay? So listen up, and then hold your hand high for the whole time if you're, if you're on any of these teams. Host team, communion team, security team, refreshment team, tent team, setup team, teardown team, and any other team within guest services that I miss. Hold them high. You guys have the most important job at Rock Harbor Church. You know where I'm going with this. I would bet that this whole room would raise their hands if I said, hey, if you've, ever felt, if you've ever felt welcomed here, if you've ever felt like it was home, like you couldn't figure it out, but it just felt like home, it feels friendly, like a place that you want to come back to. That's because you're holding doors open, it's because you're serving refreshments, it's because you're having conversations with people, it's because you're welcoming them in to this place, this school that we turn into the body of Christ. You have the most important role at Rock Harbor Church. If you're a community group leader, raise your hand. Yes. It's awesome. You guys know what I'm going to say? You guys have the most important role at Rock Harbor Church. You guys create circles in your house for all of us to get out of these rows and to go and connect with people at a level that is not physically or socially possible on a Sunday morning. You guys clean your houses. You get ready, to, you get ready for people to come to connect and for someone to be known. You know how easy it is to come into church and then leave that day having not had one conversation with anybody. You guys create a space for that to happen. You have the most important role at Rock Harbor Church. And for all of you mutts that don't fit into a category, I'm going to call you guys the squirrel team, okay? The squirrel team is the people that are in the wheel. They're spinning it around. They're making this thing turn, and nobody has a clue what they're doing. We don't see it. We have no idea what's going on. They're setting the stage for, for setup. They're setting the stage for Christmas they're doing Costco runs. They're on the database team entering all the communication cards. Would you raise your hand if you're on the squirrel team? Just own it. Come on. If you're on the squirrel team, raise your hand. See, they don't want to raise their hands because they like not being known. That's, what, that's, that's the thing about that category of people. You guys have the most important role at Rock Harbor Church. Don't diminish where God has you. Don't diminish the gifts that you have or the impact that you're making on the body. When we offer ourselves to be used, man, it... That's when God really gets to work his magic. When we're all being the body, he gets to work his magic. And I want to show you an example of what can happen when all that comes together. Check out this video. I'm Gina, and um, this is Sam, and we've been married for 28 years, and we've been in Idaho since 2004. When we moved to Idaho, we really didn't have a church or have a background of 
other than the Catholic Church. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and so back in Oklahoma, Travis had he'd gone to another church with a friend. And you know, I think that's when you know the Lord was really working on us and stirring us up is when we were in Oklahoma because He started with you uh, at school with uh, the people that He put around you, and then you know He was doing something in my heart. Um, I wasn't really uh, sharing that with you, but I know that. Uh, he was doing something in your heart. And when we got here uh, and started looking for a church, we kind of bounced around and then we just really didn't do much. And Travis started going to church with, with one of the neighbors and uh, he had asked us several times to go to church with him. And, and um, we said, okay, we'll go on this Sunday and we'll go check this out with you. And, you know, at that time, we weren't really attending anywhere. We, I don't even think it was even in our minds at that point to, to go. We knew the kids wanted to go, but we just, we hadn't made it a priority. As it got closer to the time to go to church, I was had a battle inside because I was just so bound up with um, guilt and shame from, from sin in my past. I just didn't want to go. I was so afraid. And um, so when, you, when you're going there with that much fear, um, it was scary to go to church. I mean, it sounds weird, but it was scary. It was something that I just did not want to do. As we approached, I could see people uh, in the on the front lawn talking. And as we got there, as soon as our foot hit the, the curb on their side of the property, those people approached us and greeted us and said, hi, ask us our names. They knew Travis and said they were, they were glad to see us. They were glad we were here and just so welcoming uh, when we got there. Later, we found that they, when they told us, they said, well, we've been praying for you. And that just really rocked our world that people we didn't even know uh, were praying for us. And these were the people that were their greeters, their ushers, uh, the people that handed out the bulletins. They all knew that uh, we were Travis's parents and they had been praying for that day. Uh, <clears throat> They'd been praying for that day for us to walk through the door at that church. And that meant so much to us. There's nothing like your entire family coming to Christ together because it's, I know there's a lot of people that don't, but it, it's meant so much that um, God worked on all of us together. He knew what it was gonna take to get us there. And he used our son to, to get us there. Then he used the people uh, to love us in and, um, and then they surrounded us and, and just showed us how that it was so exciting that all of us came to, to know Christ together. And as a family, we, we started serving everywhere. I mean, we just, uh, we plugged in. I mean, they were our family and it's, we just wanted to be there. And, and those people, they, they showed us really what the love of Christ was. They were the hands and feet of, of Christ and Christ shined out of those people. And that's what I want to be. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want the light of Christ to shine out of me. And that's why I want to invest in this. Yeah. It's okay. Everybody else is wiping their tears, so you can do it too. I understand. It's good. But you saw it. I mean, the Scrantons went in there that day 12 years ago. They stepped foot into church, and they had walls up. They, they were broken. But the walls were broken down by just people serving them, people opening the door for them. You heard it, people just who said, hey, we're, we were praying for you. We, we know you're Travis's parents. That's awesome. But we diminish those things that we do. We diminish, like, oh, I just hold babies. 
You hold babies so that people like my own wife can be in a, in a service and be encouraged. Not just to hold babies. I want us to, to think about this, just this idea of the body of Christ just a little bit differently. I want us maybe just to close your eyes and, and imagine that the body of Christ is, is like an orchestra. And we're part of the, the greatest orchestra in the entire world. All have an instrument to play. And our conductor, <laughs> he's our creator. And he's saying, hey, give me just a little bit of just willingness right over here. Someone who's just willing to do whatever needs to be done. Give me someone with some hospitality, just the gift of hospitality over here to welcome this new person into my church. Give me someone with the gift of generosity over here who who I've made generous, who can bless this family in need. Give me someone with some encouragement over here. There's someone hurting. One of my children are hurting. Someone who can encourage them and build them up. Give me someone with the gift of mercy. We need more people. People are coming into the valley, coming into this church. I need more people to lead our kids, to lead this next generation. We need more people to lead community groups, to make space for the people that are bringing into the church. Go ahead and open your eyes. Do you guys see and hear what the perfect harmony of what the body of Christ can look like? When we're all just playing our part. When everyone's playing their instrument, I think that just as the music of that orchestra can build, so does the impact that we get to have as a body of Christ. It's not about the individual. It's one another together. Being deeply rooted in his work together, laboring for the Lord together so that people like the Scrantons can experience what we have. That's why we serve. That's why we're part of the body of Christ. You know what's cool about the Scrantons is I I went to church with them those 12 years ago. I met them the first day they came to church. They followed me here because they couldn't live without me, but that's, you know, probably not really an important part of the message, but I felt like you guys should hear that. But Sam Scranton, he, in those 12 years, is a guy that, I can tell you, he knows the word as good as any 40-plus-year-old Christian who's been doing this for 40 years. He's a guy that when he prays, like he literally, and I'm not joking, he'll leave your jaw dropping because you've just heard someone pray in this incredible fervency and zeal for the Lord, this passion. He's a guy who's leading men to lead their families. He's leading a community group of men to be more deeply rooted and Sam and Gina, for years here, they, they here at Rock Harbor, they've been leading our host team, and now they're leading host team at the hub. They're probably there today, even leading and serving. But they do it because of what's been done for them. And he's all those things. He's deeply rooted in God's word. He's deeply rooted in worship. All those things that we're saying we need to be this year is why I can say those things about Sam Scranton. Rooted in his work together. And what I want you guys to hear in this message, I don't want this like subliminal message to come through like, oh, they need more people to serve. That's not what this is about. God doesn't need you to serve. You need to be connected to the body of Christ. 
guilt and, and duty, those are really just terrible motivations for, for getting someone to do anything. That's not what the, this message is. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Because there's a big difference between serving the body because you need to and serving the body because you were designed to. Designed to serve our creator. And serving our creator is serving his people. It's as basic as that. And our, on that communication card each week, you see on there, there's all these lists of places at Rock Harbor to serve. I want you to know that those aren't just jobs. Those aren't just things to serve. Those are functions that we would identify within Rock Harbor and say, these are the places that we serve the body in order to love and lead people towards Christ. And when you sign up, you're not serving Rock Harbor staff. You're not serving Rock Harbor Church. You're serving your king. I think when we fully grasp this concept of all this good news that's been done for us, we grasp the, just how big and just how the weight of this mercy and this grace that's been just freely given to us. When we grasp that, you should say, Brandon, are you kidding me? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I be part of the body of Christ? Why wouldn't I serve his people? Do you know who I was before Christ? Do you know who I was before he showered this grace and this mercy on me? And before his grace and mercy, I was lonely. Before his grace and mercy, I, was, I hated being single. Before his grace and mercy, I was anxious and I was depressed. Before his grace and mercy, man, I, I was just living for myself. It was about all that I could do, about all my, uh, my career. It was about all these things, all this weight loss and all the things that we're all about these, these days. But do you know what? I was that one sheep, that one lost sheep that he left all the other 99 to go and rescue. He saved and he rescued me. And I would say, if you can say that, that's a worthy motivation to be rooted in his work. That's the reason we are rooted in his work. Serving and sacrificing for the body. Not Rock Harbor Church. Let's go ahead and bow our heads together. Well, this thought of the, the body of Christ being an orchestra. Who here would, with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would be willing to say that I'm ready to play my instrument? And that's a step of faith for me. Because it was a step of faith even to go to church. But now you're asking me to, to play an instrument, to be part of what God is doing? I don't, I don't know what that means, but I'm ready. It's awesome. I'd encourage you, if, if you put your hand up, that you would just take a moment before we dismiss here in a minute that just mark that on your communication card. There's, you can put a specific place that you would want to serve where we can just help you and, and we'll get a hold of you this week. With our heads still bowed, if you find yourself here like Sam and Gina 12 years ago walking in the church and you have all these walls that you have up and you feel like for some reason something in this message has just been bringing down the walls and you're trying to figure out how do I get this grace and mercy that you're talking about? How do I enter into this good news? Because I feel the bad news. I want to receive the good news. I would, say with this, I would just say this, that the good news continues in Romans 10.9. says that if you simply confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as just praying a prayer. I'm just going to pray right now. And I would encourage you just to, to pray along with me if that's you. Just that God, I surrender to you. 
I surrender the, the walls, the things that I've built up to, to, to try and keep you out. And I surrender to that and I want you, I believe in you. I want you to come into my life. And for the rest of us, God, I pray that as we go from here today, that we would be more deeply rooted in your work wherever this week takes us, wherever this year takes us, that we would be deeply rooted in you. God, help us to make a whole lot more of you and a whole lot less of ourselves. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Well.